Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. Today I'm joined by a guy who has absolutely blown up over the last 12 months. Um, I mean that metaphorically speaking, of course not physically. Um, <laughs> Dan Astigre, uh, welcome to Empire Builders Podcast. We're also streaming this on Facebook. Thanks so much for joining me today. Great to be here, Nick, and thank you very much to, uh, for the invite and great to see you again. Yeah, you too. And, and before I die, I've got so many things I want to ask. Um, by the way, this episode is going to be amazing because um, Dan's podcast, the Pandemic Podcast, um, has reached over 5 million people and it started less than a year ago. I mean, that is insane. So we're going to talk about that. But the reason why, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons why I asked Dan to join me today, um, as those that, that, that you know um, are in my community and, and follow my work will know, um, about, what are we, probably six weeks ago, five, six weeks ago, um, I got COVID. And um, over the last year, I've been occasionally tuning into Dan's live videos on Facebook and listening to odd bits and bobs here and there. I think we've, we were on some clubhouse rooms together as well. So I've been keenly paying attention to on a content that he's been putting out and found it fascinating. But when I had COVID, I was literally sat there for like a week to at home with nothing to do. Um, and so I decided to watch from end to end the recordings of Dan's Lockdown Summit, um, which was an amazing event he put together with like, some of the smartest minds on the planet when it comes to understanding economics, when it comes to under- understanding pandemics and, um, and public health issues and all these kind of things. So I found it really fascinating, learned a lot. Um, by the way, I must, I must confess, um, I kind of, it was kind of like a binge watch. It was kind <laughs> of like, a Netflix show, but I was I was kind of watching a couple of hours and then sleeping a lot. Not the lot was amazing, but I was knackered. Then I was watching another couple of hours, so I kind of watched it over the course of a few days, just like you would a Netflix show, really. Um, but what I was impressed with um, was the balanced views, because um, it certainly was not, and I think Dan, your, your content certainly is not you know, wild conspiracy theories. It's analysis of facts. Mm. Um, I think that personally, only my opinion, I think in the media we get fed one side of the story. And I think oftentimes on social you see a completely other side of the story. And actually oftentimes they, there's not really much balance and it's not, you know, based on facts. So um, that long-winded introduction um, Really, just to give some context, I guess, as to why I wanted Dan on the Empire Builders podcast and to share this interview with with our community on on Facebook as well. So um, this kind of sits into this interview will kind of break into two pieces. Um, We're going to cover, you know, some how to build personal brand and make a big impact like Dan's done with his content and with the the podcast. And we're also going to talk a little bit about, you know, the economic impacts of the pandemic. How people can use it, or how they can give it, and also um, what we can kind of expect, because you know there is certainly I've I I would say that I'm fairly 
keen at you know researching and reading up and and listening to podcasts, but I'm not in the same league as this guy when it comes to really understanding um, the pandemic and and everything that goes along with it. So uh, that long winded introduction, Dan. Sorry about that, um, but I wanted to give some context to everyone. So I guess my first question is: um, in October last year, 2020 you decided to start the pandemic podcast. Why? What, what, inspired, <laughs> what inspired that? Because I know that you've got um, your own business interests, you've got your own marketing company, you've, you, you've got a long career. Why did you decide to start a podcast about the pandemic? Yeah, well, great question. Um, there's a bit of a backstory, I suppose, to give context to that. And um you know, firstly, the pandemic has affected all of us. You know, you can't escape it unless you're living under a rock somewhere. Or in the... I did hear about someone that was on a some sort of 60-day meditation retreat and they came out and uh, discovered there was a pandemic. But I think that's the rarest, uh, <laughs> rare, rare, rare exception. Um, and it's affected most of us. And from, from a very early stage, um, in as early as January and February um, 2020, I was paying attention to what was going on. Now, this is also rare for me because... You know, having been to events like yours and, uh, and other people's events, you know, over the over the last decade or so, you know, we, we learned that CNN constant negative news is not particularly good for our mindset in terms of our positive focus and activity. Whereas this this particular story captivated captivated me very early on, uh, and it began with a flight out to Asia. Uh, my wife and I were going to go on our honeymoon, having recently been married, and you know, I'd heard about what had been happening in China and how this was starting to balloon out into other other parts of Asia. So at that point, naturally, you know, before we fly out there, I want to make sure, you know, are, are we putting ourselves at risk here? Is there, is there any possible, you know, firstly, and then secondly, is there any possibility that our holidays could be cancelled? Um, so I began looking at a lot of this data, early data coming out of China to really try and reassure myself that it was okay for us to go on holiday. And, and the good news at, at that point was that looking at it, I could see, well, there is something serious happening, but um, it, it's predominantly affecting those who are very elderly. Uh, or, or, or already sick. So I thought, okay, well, my wife and I don't fit that category. So um, I'm, I'm quite happy. Now, that's a very broad assessment. I did I did read a lot more into that. But um, um, very quickly, when I came back from that holiday, it was a week before the lockdown, we then let, launched into lockdown three weeks to flatten the curve um, and became very skeptical about some of the modeling that was being portrayed, um, the, the, the Neil Ferguson uh, model, which projected, you know, half a million deaths in, 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 in six months. Um, based upon what I'd seen in the data coming out of China, I thought that was an was a unrealistic um, um, projection. Now, I, I studied economics at university. I did advanced statistics and econometrics. I have a good grasp of numbers, but I'm not a statistical modeler. I can read data and I can understand data, but something didn't quite seem sit right with me with that uh, uh, that model. And you know, lo and behold, like many other models that we've seen in the last 18 months, they haven't actually panned out as as the kind of worst case scenarios that have been projected. So I became quite skeptical early on, um, which was coupled with. Uh, I mean, many of us at the time we saw the kind of scenes in China with the kind of the dead bodies on the floor, it's very shocking, um, uh, you know, created a ripple effect around the world. But looking back now, you think that doesn't, didn't happen anywhere else. That's slightly, you know, slightly perplexing that this, this happened. So the kind of skepticism in me was triggered, uh, but I just, you know, I gradually paid attention throughout the year 
reading more and more. Um, you know, I've got a deeply curious mind. I think most entrepreneurs have, you know, they want to understand how things come together and why things happen and why they work in the way they do. Uh, and it led me to read hundreds and hundreds of articles, papers, um, scientific um, analysis. And more and more over the, over the months, I saw this divergence between what was actually happening in the data and the science and what was being portrayed in the press and the media and what we would witness on social media. And that gap just kept widening and widening. And it got to a point where I felt in, this kind of trigger point inside of me that said, I've, I've got to start challenging this because it's, 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 it, it doesn't seem to make sense. And it's having a drastic, it's having a drastic spillover effect upon society, on the economy, on hospital waiting lists, on education. And it reached a bursting point when I saw a point of leverage when I saw the images of children around the school being separated. And as far as people in some parts of the world, children in perspex boxes. And I thought, this is, this is not right, uh, you know, because the data was showing very limited risk to young people and uh, children were really being treated in ways that I thought was just deeply unacceptable. And it just something snapped at me and said, enough's enough. I've got to say something. And that, that led me to recording uh, a video, which was not an impromptu video. I'd thought about it, but ultimately it got to a point where I said I needed to say something. So I, I picked up my phone and without any, you know, there was, this, this wasn't a podcast. This wasn't a professional broadcast. I, and I recorded 20 minutes of just my observations and what I'd been witnessing. And I was really worried about doing that because it's a highly contentious subject. It's deeply emotive. People have lost loved ones. And uh, up to that point, if you, know, if, if you said anything contrary to what, what the, the kind of official storyline was, you know, you'd be branded selfish. You know, the, all these kind of insults would come your way. And I, I'd engaged in some comments. Conspiracy, Conspiracy theorists, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah all this sort of stuff. Um, but I, I, you know, and, I, and even up to the point where I hit the live button, you know, and it, it took me back to right where I began in my business about a decade before about all the fear I had about speaking up and, you know, getting in front of the camera or um, getting on the mic. All those fears came back. You know, I conquered those fears a long time ago, but it was because of the subject matter and my all this inner voice stories. You know, I thought about people like yourself and Rob Moore and Dan Bradbury, people, you know, in my network who are. I can imagine saying, what, why are you going into this? Don't go political, Dan, stick to the business. <laughs> um, and all these worries about what will my family think, what will my friends think, what will my clients think, what will my, you know, my peer group think, all of these concerns and fears, you know, which, which is just another form of the inner voice that we have in other areas of business. I'm sure many of you watching this, if you come from the Expert Empires community, you know, starting out, you've probably gone through that journey yourself where that inner voice kind of holds you back from speaking up. But I just said, enough's enough. I'm going to do it. I hit live <laughs> and off I went 20 minute rant. And I didn't expect anyone to watch. You know, I didn't expect anyone to watch. But the, the, the number just started going up and up and up. I went from 10 people to 50 people, to 100 people, 200 people, 400 people. All of a sudden, there was a thousand people watching live this video. I don't know how that happened. It must have just got shared. You know, the time of day, you know, you normally research when to go live with your content to get optimal views and traffic. Didn't go through any of that. I just picked up the phone, went live 10 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. And, you know, a thousand people watched that 20 minute um, broadcast. And it just felt like it hit a nerve. It felt like it hit exactly where so many people were silently reflecting on similar um, uh, thoughts, but, but unable to express them publicly because of, you know, the fear of being labeled a conspiracy, being called a theorist or being called selfish or whatnot. 
And then that single video in the course of 24 hours went to 50,000 people, 100,000 people. Within five days, over 300,000 people had watched that video. It was shared five, 6,000 times within the space of a week. Um, and put, put into context, I, I ran a project earlier in the year called Elevate Live when we reached 100,000 people in the space of 45 days. And then, you know, in the space of a week, 300,000 people. But it, 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 to me, it, it hit on that shared pain, you know, so... Um, I'll pick up on that when we go into into the, the kind of strategies around the podcast. But from there, I knew I knew then that there was an audience, and I knew that there was other people like me who felt the same way. Um, it took me another month or so to get started from there, but I, I knew that I had to continue that journey. Yeah, and, and I remember that I was one of the. Um, if I watched it live, I certainly watched it. Um, might have been after the fact, but I was one of those many people that saw that video, watched it. Um, it struck a nerve. Um, and, and what I love about what you've just shared is, first of all, I know that there are a lot of people listening to this podcast or, or watching this on Facebook who that the fear you described about the thumb hovering over the live button, and all of these thoughts about what my friends, my family, or, um, you know, what are people in the community going to think or, you know, that is completely normal. Like we all we all experience that. Dan experienced that on his first video. I certainly still experience that sometimes now. Um, mm. And I thought that, you know, if you asked anybody uh, else who uh, creates content um, uh, in whatever format that is, that they probably experience that as well. So first of all, I'm so pleased to share because everybody listening, everyone watching, it's completely normal. Um, what, what do you think it was about that video? You said highly emotive subject. I think you know, the content of what you spoke about might have resonated with people and not else have really said anything spoken out before. Um, what, what do you think it was about that video that just made it fly and take off so quickly? Yeah, it's a great question. I, and I've watched it back um, and I've read the comments and I've tried to, you know, you can... go, let me try and reverse engineer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I did. Exactly. I thought, what was it about that? You know, was it time of day? All of these things. But the, there was just the deep resonance. You know, when you, you look through the timeline of the comments, you can see that the point by point, the kind of the, the, what I'd commentated on was resonating with how people were feeling and the frustration and pain that they were feeling. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, this wasn't this wasn't uh, that video was not created with the intent to build a pandemic podcast. I not even thought about it at that point. So there was no there was no you know business planning around that video where normally we would look at that. We would look at what is the pain and frustration that our audience has how do we break isn't it ironic though that when you know and i'm the same by the way we, we will like look at creating a piece of content with an intention with a you know with a commercial intention around it and you know we'll put so much focus and energy and um and planning into it and then it not work as well as something that i did just because i wanted to because it felt that, you know like even this interview for example i'm like look there is no business play for me here at all i really enjoy listening to your podcast and watching your content and i want to share it with my audience like that's it mm -hmm. um and so you know surprise me episode what downloads and we ordinarily do on the empire builders podcast so uh, i think sometimes you can tr you can almost over engineer um your your content and sometimes if there is it, i think this is me getting a little bit esoteric and woo-woo as well it's the intention. Mm. I think if the intention is just completely um, 
if if the, if the intention is commercial, then it might have a different energy to it. It might come across differently. If the intention you said it was like I just wanted to, I just knew I had to say something. Yeah. Um, and, and I think people picked up on that. If it had felt this guy's only doing this video for business reasons or for commercial interest, they wouldn't have all shared it for you. No, no, so, no. Well, to lean, to lean into the esoteric piece a little bit as well, um, in, the, in the day preceding, well, days preceding this, this, this decision, I remember walking outside the front of my house here. You know, I try and get my, you know, during the lockdown, you know, the, the amount of activity one could do is limited. So I was trying to get in my daily 10,000 steps. So I'd go for my daily walks. Um, and it was a beautiful, bright, sunny day. And I'd just been mulling over all of this stuff. I was thinking, I've got to say something, I've got to say something, I've got to say something. You know, there was a build up to this all of these th thoughts going through my head and the sun was shining down on me. And it felt like it was one of those tap on the shoulder moments where it was a case of, look, Dan, you've had plenty of times to step up and lead in your last decade. And you've missed out on several of them because you've been too afraid. You haven't had the confidence or the courage to do it. If you aren't going to step up now, then when are you going to? Because this is, this is about children's futures. This is about humanity. This is about society. So all of a sudden the, the impact that, I was seeing beyond myself created something in myself that said, you now have to step up and lead because if you don't take this chance, you won't get many more. This was like my inner voice at that time. It was like, you've had time after time after time to do something significant where you've, you, you've, the shot has been there for you to take, but out of fear, out of doubt, you've refused to take the shot. And it was like this time, if you fail to take this shot, there won't be many more shots for you to take. And it was just like this lesson inside of me saying, Now's the time, Dan, that you have to step up. You have to become the leader that you were born to be. You've been preaching this stuff for over a decade, but now you've really got to step into your full self. And I think as a result of that, there was an internal shift that said, now I must lead. It was a conviction that came through from that. But then the, you know, the authentic self that I um, you know, had been unraveling for, from 10, 15 years of self-development uh, um, uh, really came to a head where I felt fully aligned in myself. And as a result, I spoke as myself rather than trying to be this voice or this uh, image. I was fully authentic to myself. And I know that's cliched in, in the, the, the industry that we operate in, but actually, you know, it, it was fully owning who I am and speaking into my own personal truth. And as a result of that, I think people resonated with the with the heart and mind in that conversation. And I think that for me is one of the biggest lessons I've learned in terms of where I've tried to communicate in the past and almost create this persona rather than putting forth the fullest version of who I am. Hey, it's Nick here. We'll get back to the show in the moment. I just wanted to tell you about a brand new free training I've put together for you, all about how I went from zero to six figures to seven figures, to multi seven figures in my business very, very quickly. So you can go and download that brand new free training at expertempires.com forward slash free training. Uh, and when you do that, you'll also be given the opportunity to book a free, no obligation strategy call with one of my team so they can help you individually plot your plan to growing your business from wherever it is right now, if it's zero to get to six figures fast, or if it's already at six figures to move it to seven figures or multi seven figures as quickly as possible. So go to expertempires.com forward slash free training. Yeah, and I think by the way, a lot of people um, watching, listening will resonate with your experience, which is, the, there's this niggling idea 
back of their minds or our minds where we're going, oh, we really, that's a good idea. We really should do that. And then we don't. And there's a fear that holds us back. And, you know, I, I just hope that as a result of you watching today or, or listening to this podcast, that just one person, the next time they have that nipple, remembers the conversation and goes, yeah, I'm not going to ignore it this time. I'm going to take notice and I'm going to act upon it. Um, so you did this crazy video that, that got like, thousand views or whatever um many months later you started the pandemic podcast so um maybe just share a little bit about what that journey was because yeah. by the way and i love this by the way that we're taking all these deep, we still haven't actually got to the um the question that i started with which i love the fact that we're doing this um is like why did you start the podcast yeah yeah so from that video you know to, to get to that point you know it's it, it this is great stuff yeah, firstly, it made me realize that, you know, it's again, if you think about starting a podcast, you want to be sure that there's an audience there for you to serve. And there was some validation. And that's the reason I told that, that I wasn't alone in feeling this way. And, you know, it wasn't just a small amount of people that felt that way. There was a, there was a sizable group of people. So uh, I realized that it, it, it was giving myself the permission to go further with that subject matter uh, from that video, but then deciding... You, you, you know, I've got all these other business interests and I've got all these other content forms, but this feels too important to not uh, address. Um, there was very few people out there addressing this subject matter uh, and very few taking a, what I would describe as a kind of balanced, critical view on the situation. So I wanted to, 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 to kind of use my, you know, the tagline for the show is question everything, to use my natural entrepreneurial uh, curiosity to explore all of these different subjects and, and, and seek answers and to, to publicly showcase that discussion because we had had that weight of narrative and there was no counterbalance to it. So initially, I really wanted to to, to kind of not deliberately take a counter narrative position, but to, to question some of the things that we are being um, seeing uh, uh, because I just felt it was too important as a subject to to to, uh, to 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 leave. Because again, in any market, if you see an unmet need. It's an opportunity for someone to step into that place. Now, I wasn't necessarily thinking it from that business point of view of there's a niche here, there's a gap. I wasn't, but I, it was it was from a deep, deep seated, deep rooted desire to try and make a difference in that space. And I think many of your audience, Nick, will probably resonate with that because they, they enter into the space that they're in because they see there's a there's a need to make a difference, there's a need to make an impact, and they have they have something that can make a difference. And that that was the same here. It's very different to what I was doing before. Um, but but I had the mechanics, you know. It's my third podcast that I launched. I know how to launch a podcast, um, so it wasn't from a, you know, on the idea, which is you know initially the the first video and then stuff that between the podcast was really about validating there was an audience for the subject matter. Now you might be watching thinking, well, I don't have a podcast, or I don't really feel drawn to have a podcast. This isn't about having a podcast. You do the same thing that Dan did to validate the idea of hosting a live event like I do and like Dan does. Um, you could use this strategy to validate the idea of creating an online course or inventing a product or you know, a solution of some sort. It doesn't have to be even a, you know, a course or, or any form of expertise. So I think what Dan did and what I think you know, the listeners and viewers should take on board is doing small things which might become big things as your video did to validate that there is an audience there's a demand 
the amount of times I've seen people launch a podcast and it's bombed or, you know, attempt to run a live event, you and I, Dan, both know how hard that is. Mm. It's not easy. I've done that for many, many years. And and the amount of times I've seen people try and fail. So the validation piece, that really, it's not the first step. It's a step that happens before the first step in most cases. Yeah, indeed. Um, So really, that was... You know, having made that video, having seen the fact that there was a, a limited um, pushback on these type of information, I just felt like this is something bigger than than anything else I've ever taken on, and it just I just felt compelled. It, and it was a tough decision because you know I had lots of other projects, I had lots of other ambitions, um, but as a result of making that decision, you know, we can talk about where that's led to in terms of where where well, firstly, you know, we can talk about how we how we, how we grew the audience, but 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 how it's shifted who I am as a leader, as an entrepreneur, but also now it's helped me even further clarify, you know, the age old adage of, you know, take massive action and, you know, the way will show itself, you know, you know, start with why and how will will, will follow absolutely has been true here for me because it's helped me make distinctions about my own um, entrepreneurial style, my own leadership, but also it's clarified my vision even further. And it's given me even greater conviction in my existing mission that I defined, but it's, it's given me a real understanding of my place in the world and how I can, how I can now use content and events and all these different things to really make a difference in, in a way that I'd never seen po- uh, as possible before this. Um, so, you know, the motivation for starting the podcast was really to, to, to explore these key issues in, in a space where they weren't being aired. Uh, but, but more broadly, um, it was driven out of my concerns for where society could uh, end up if we don't tackle some of these issues. And that still drives me now today. Sure. So, so you, um, you started the podcast in, I think, October 2020. Yeah. Um, and, and you've reached, five, well, I don't know if it's just the podcast or, or total, or all of your content, you've reached 5 million people in less than a year. That is no mean feat. Um, what, what, um, what tips, what suggestions have you got for our audience want to take content in any form i think i think it's the same answer whether it's podcast or video content or you do Instagram or LinkedIn. essentially the the philosophy is the same obviously the technicalities are maybe different platform to platform but what is it that makes your content reach so many go viral what are things well i think you know going back into business principles there there is a, a an awful amount of audience listening you know uh, metaphorically that, that I, I've gone through to really understand what people are concerned about, what their frustrations are, what they're paying attention to. Um, and as a result of that, it's helped me shape a content program based around um, not only my own curiosities in terms of uh, what I'm witnessing in the world and, and, and following some of that intuitive awareness, but, but really listening and looking into the comments. What are people saying? What are people feeling? What are people, um, what, what are they seeking answers to? So that, and then I can then create content that really delivers upon the questions that other people are asking as well as the questions that I'm asking. And we, we know that for, for many people in the kind of expert world, you normally follow a journey where, you know, you've had a personal problem, you've conquered it, and then you've taught it and shared it and mastered it. And as a result of that, you understand some of those questions. You understand some of those personal problems and frustrations. Now, this is no different apart from the fact that rather than looking at personal problems or business problems, we're looking at societal issues based around a pandemic where we're in a crisis and people are interpreting this in, in very different ways. People have different frustrations, pain points. So as a result, I spent a lot of time at the beginning really paying attention to what the conversations were on social media, really trying to understand 
where, where people's um, perception was so that I could lean into the kind of questions that other people are asking so that I can deliver content that answers those questions as well as my own questions. Um, yeah. in, 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 what people will do is they'll create the content they want to create or what they think the audience wants. And of course, you've got to start somewhere that when you um, hovered over the live button on the first one, you would a place of instinct really more than anything. But over time, paying attention, listening to the audience, what questions they're asking, reading the comments, really becoming obsessive about understanding the audience and the, the person who's on the receiving end of the message. I think that um, I don't believe, I certainly don't do that enough. Um, what you said there, and I think generally speaking, most people who are creating content do don't either. Mm, it's been a very valuable learning experience for me, really, uh, to understand the audience. But it's—I mean—it's a crazy—it's a crazy way. I understand the audience in the context of the pandemic and people's interests, but now I, I really—you know—previously, you, you know, in the personal development space, for instance, you kind of know the char the characteristics of your audience. You know what their kind of values are. You know what their belief systems are like. You know what they they care about. You know what their first pain points are. What they're trying to achieve. I can't tell you the broader aspirations of the audience but i think what 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 i've attracted is an audience that have a common set of values around a common set of interests yeah. and that in itself is very interesting from a from an audience understanding perspective because i think there's a resonance just not just on the content delivery but the way in which it's delivered and, and the, the values that i've tried to inject into um the podcast you know that's one of the things that crafted deliberately was looking at what does this podcast represent what are the values that we want to convey and that's where some of the more the deliberative uh, business approach um, was forged into the early stages of the pandemic podcast. You know, I really wanted to make sure that I had that standard as as I move forward. Uh, how, how's um, I, I actually don't know because I haven't asked you this question like outside of context, so I, I don't even know. Um, do you still have other businesses running business interests? If how has the pandemic podcast affected? positive or negative those core businesses i'm i'm just curious really well uh first of all many of us in this space um we're affected by the pandemic you know 2019 i must have done around 40 different workshops or seminars in 12 months you know it's constantly on the road doing all kinds of activities that went out the window in 2020 so all of that work that i was doing and i, I i've worked with big companies to deliver um leadership consulting training entrepreneurial workshops startup training all of this type of stuff was doing in 2020 i did a lot uh, 2019 i did a lot of stuff in partnership with facebook um and all of this stuff just disappeared because everyone was pivoting because we had this this uh this shift where the physical space and i'm sure nick you've gone through this as well where we can run the events that we were running previously so all of that was naturally on hold anyway um and i had pivoted to do online events i ran elevate live which was a actually i think if i actually applied for it it'd be a world record um uh, breaking longest ever online event it ran for 45 days straight non-stop three to five sessions per day um but uh following that after after i launched the pandemic podcast um essentially i put press pause on all my other business interests uh until now um we're really looking looking forward facing again now how i can pivot what i was already doing to to incorporate the type of work that i've i've begun with the pandemic podcast because what it's what it's enabled me to really realize um you know historically my driving force has always been about this idea this loose idea of elevating humanity and enriching the world 
but it you know th- this very classic kind of esoteric why driving force that only really resonates internally to you. you can't, it doesn't really publicly state what you're doing, but it's 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 a driving force. What what it's given me clarity around now is that there there is there is structural and systemic um, issues in the world from political issues around democracy from um, real shifts in the economy, uh, real shifts in the way we educate, real shifts in the financial markets. There's these pillars of society that are being disrupted, transformed, uh, and uh, all of this has come really to a head in the last 12 months. And it's really helped me clarify uh, my vision further now that where previously I was running workshops and, and, and events for, for certain types of entrepreneurs, now it's really helped me further clarify the areas that I want to operate and go forward helping to helping to co-create and catalyze some of these big um, structural changes in society and how we can use innovation and entrepreneurship to to, to shift shift the way we do business uh, across politics across economics across uh, sustainability all of these these key areas which were, were areas of focus previously to to, to, to to 2020 but now really helped me double down on the areas of focus in terms of how I can use my expertise, my skills, my background, uh, and the audience that I've managed to gather now, the tribe that, that have followed, to help us uh, help those like-minded souls who want to make a play a part in changing the world in their own unique way, whether that's through their own ideas, expert expertise, or whether it's actually working on solutions to global issues. Um, you know, I really want to try, turn my attention to how we can build solutions to tackle really global problems, um, which was a distinction that I've made as a result of going on this journey. Um, uh, like many entrepreneurs, you know, our visions ever expand and they never cease to, to, to slow down. But this has really now given me razor clarity. And uh, as a result, my business at, at this very moment is pivoting. So I'm, I'm re- re-energizing what began in 2020 and 2019 through Elevate Media uh, to now uh, where it will go uh, 2021 and beyond. But, but to answer your question, I had to put it on pause. And as a result, I had to monetize the pandemic podcast, which I simply did, um, you know, with a donation-based um, model, where uh, just gave people the opportunity if they if they if they wanted to support the show and support the the content, support the research, support the development of the podcast, then they can kindly donate if they wish. You know, so there was no there was no formalized model um, at that at the, at the beginning, um, but it's helped sustain the show and grow it. Um, and uh, going forward, we're looking at building community-based programs to to tap into some of the shared interests that that, that have emerged from the audience, um, as well as um, other other events and workshops off the back of this, including the the lockdown summit, which you've you 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 shared that you'd watched. Yeah, I, I guess um, one of the things that I'm wondering: Do you see a point in the future, whether that's near future or far down the line where the pandemic podcast is no longer relevant and do you see like change the brand of it or change the subject matter like i don't know if this is even part of the plan or you're just rolling with it i mean what's what's (laughs) possible well so off the back of elevate live which is what we ran at the beginning of 2020 we we had five different segments across there one was personal development and it was really designed it was launched to coincide with the lockdowns it was a deliberate it was a deliberate program to help people remain engaged, motivated, focused during this lockdown phase. So we had five different channels effectively over five different areas, personal development, finance, business, health and well-being, spirituality, and had content across all five of those channels. 
the pandemic podcast was always intended when it was launched to be the sixth channel. Uh, and the ambition was to, to continue across those other five channels. But um, the pandemic podcast became um, uh, grew so fast and uh, quite clearly became the dominant need that, uh, that, that, that doubled down on creating the pandemic podcast. But you're absolutely right. It will have a, light, a limited shelf life because, you know, we're all hoping this thing. Uh, well, I don't really, I'm kind of hoping that like, – <laughs> Kind of disappears and he's no longer relevant very quickly but i also <laughs> love the content and what market so it's yeah it's kind of like a bit of a double-edged sport well well we all hope that it moves on even even myself you know now that we've built this momentum but, but the reality is as i mentioned you as we've gone through this it's not just about a virus you know we're, we're looking at the shifts that have, we've witnessed politically economically socially culturally um there, there is it's really it's really taken a lot of work, world problems, uh, institutional problems, industry issues, and it's brought them to a head. So, you know, we'll perhaps talk about this towards the end of the conversation. But as a result of that, there is so much opportunity in the world on the back of this. And there always is within a crisis. You know, many people will struggle, but many will see the opportunity. And, you know, some of the, I, I hear I've heard like an echo in my mind throughout this crisis mentors that have gone before me who have always always spoke about how in the moments of crisis you know those who who, who understand how to see and and and, and uh, uh, take the opportunity will be the ones that prosper out of crisis and it's a mindset and it's a, it's it's not it's not out of trying to exploit the situation that's a misnomer that's not not the situation but it's understanding how you can make the best of a situation. And the reality is there have been some seismic shifts in the last 12 to 18 months. And as a result, the landscape of the world is changing. And when that happens, when there's tectonic shifts in, in society, there is enormous opportunity um, uh, because of the level of the problems that are created. And where there's a problem, there's a solution. And where there's a solution, there's an opportunity. So yes, the pandemic podcast will have a limited shelf life. Our tagline is question everything, which became the brand for... Um, for the lockdown summit. And, you know, that idea of questioning everything is, 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 is in some ways taking a counter narrative perspective on world issues. Because again, once what this, this last 12 months has made me realize is that the, the, the <laughs> what we see and what is real is it, and the, the story that led to me starting the pandemic podcast is not limited to the pandemic. You know, the, 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 the establishment runs the world and everything we know about, different areas of society isn't necessarily how it's portrayed in the media. So there's a real opportunity with a question everything brand to actually take that into other parts of, of the world, whether that's economics, whether it's sustainability, or to understand that if you've watched, you know, there's, you know, you mentioned Netflix, I watched a great, the, the, the Seaspiracy show. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah. Really changed my mindset. But again, it helps you understand what's really happening um, in an industry where, you know, climate change is a really important focus for people. But actually, what are the things that really are going to move the needle may be different from what we see in the press versus what we now see in this kind of counterculture presentation. So the question everything brand now has a real opportunity to start to lean into some of these other pillars within society and start to ask those questions and, and to start to unravel uh, some of the global issues in a way that helps people to understand what's happening, but then lead to platforms where we can explore solutions. And again, that's where the kind of entrepreneurial aspect comes in where it can create think tanks, it can create accelerators and create create opportunities for entrepreneurs to come in and say, actually over here there's a real opportunity. How do we how do we start building solutions? So you're absolutely right, Nick. The pandemic issue, it will have a limited lifespan. Unfortunately, the, the reality is I I don't think it's going to go away anytime in the next six months. 
eight yeah. months, 10 months. And the spillover effects of the response to the pandemic are going to take years uh, to overcome. Hold up for because I want to get into that in a second. Um, what I think is really interesting, I want to highlight for, for everybody watching and listening, that, um, and this is um, wasn't deliberate, but it's actually a great business strategy that I often talk about. The Pandemic Podcast um, is a specialist, like it's a specialist product, if you want to call it a product, it's a, uh, a specialist. Uh, it's a very niched um, content piece. Um, and everything that you talk about is within that content. And that will not last forever. And as we've said, there'll be a shelf life to it. But the audience that you've built from it will last far longer, um, maybe even forever. The, you can then switch in. Like, I mean, you mentioned the question. I'm like, you could definitely switch into the Question Everything podcast for sure. And that would give you much more scope to talk about other other issues as well. So I think what you've done is brilliant. And a lot of people watching, listening can learn from that in that if you'd started a podcast just about broad world issues, it wouldn't have got anywhere near the traction as podcast. But now you can build whatever you want on the back of it. You can kind of stand on the shoulders, if you like, of the pandemic podcast and the person who brand you've built over the last year or so. Um, so so we haven't got loads of time. Um, by the way, I don't know how you are for time. I've got like 25 minutes. I don't yeah, know. Same. Yeah, about That's, the same. Yeah, yeah. We didn't actually talk about an end. <laughs> yeah. but, um, we think I know what we're doing, but not always. So um, let's get into um, I mean, the big question I want to ask from a – remember that our audience are – small business owners um the big question i want to ask really is like what what do you think happens next you, you're probably the one person i know that's most researched most on this matter like what predictions um you know i know you haven't got a you know uh, you know a crystal ball and you can't look into the future but what predictions based upon what you know and understand what can we expect because like you know I, i've been as you know dan you know i'm in the live events business and I was like, because I'm really optimistic, naturally. So, you know, I, I, had to, um, I had to postpone an event in March 2020. And I was like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll just run it later in the year. Yeah. Fine. And then it got September. And I'm like, yeah, we'll just run it early the following year. And, and in the end, I went, well, screw this. I'm just going to run the equivalent event as a massive online global event. We did, and it was amazing. Um, and I'm actually running a live event in September 2021, depending on when you're listening or watching this. Um, so I've got an event happening live in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I, I, I always think optimistically. I always see the opportunity, the best case scenario. But, yeah, I, I'm like, if you'd have asked me a year, 18 months ago, how long this thing was going to last, I'd have said three to six months max. And here we are 18 months down the line with no, no, no kind of sign of, uh, the end coming. So, yeah, what, what, what do you think for businesses? Um, let's, let's explore, you know, the economics of this and, and obviously a large base of our audience are UK, um, but also, you know, we have people who do business all over the world. We have people from the US, Australia, all over the planet that are listening and watching this. So, um, yeah, broad questions to get you started and then let's dive in a little bit more detail. I'm sure I'll ask more. What do you think happens next from here? Well, I think economically, it's, a, it's an interesting position to be in. Um, we've seen unprecedented levels of um, money creation. Um, you know, the government has spent 
millions upon millions and billions of pounds in the last um, 18 months. We've seen national debts reach over two trillion pounds for the first time. It's a, it's it's a, it's an ex- it's an extraordinary position to be in. We've also we're also in a low interest rate environment where you know borrowing is inexpensive, um, but perhaps um, banks, off the back of the kind of economic shifts, may be more um, risk averse and may 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 be more difficult to access traditional finance. Um, which creates a situation, if you compare it, is, is kind of like Japan, where they've had decades of low, inf- low interest rates, loads of government-issued money, but very low growth. In fact, deflationary for a period of time. So without getting too technical on economics, it's a very interesting place to be. And the question will, will, be, will be asked of the economists is, 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 are we likely to face that situation? Um, but in those situations, again, there is a lot of opportunity for those who understand um, private capital um, entrepreneurship, innovation are the keys to restoring growth. You know, small business owners, this is a golden opportunity. People looking to start a business for the first time, this is a golden opportunity. As I mentioned, you know, this last, if you, if you take the time out to understand some of the core issues that have, that have, have raised their head in the last 12 to 18 months on a macro or a micro level, even on a small level, you know, we've gone through a health crisis whereby those who have been hardest hit by this crisis have been the least, generally the least healthy. We have a health crisis here in the United Kingdom. So if you're a health coach or you're a, you're a nutritionist or you're a personal trainer, your expertise is in helping people transform their health and vitality, you're going to have people right now who are going to look, they'll be looking for answers about how they can safeguard themselves for the future, you know, the, the next issue that, that, that hits the world, because inevitably we'll hit another health crisis of some description at some point. So people's people's attitudes have shift towards, shifted towards their health. So industry by industry, there's shifts. You know, Nick, you've talked about how you took your events online. There's going to be a, you know a more rapidly adoption of, of virtual and hybrid type uh, models, whereby again, there's great great opportunities, access to global audiences, um, access to global markets. Um, we we are we are in a unique opportunity where the the economy, yes, may be dampened and it may be down. But there is there is more problems in the world than there was prior to the pandemic. And as a result, there's more opportunity in the world. And it's just down to that entrepreneurial mindset to hunt and look for the audiences that, that have needs that are unmet, to, to look for problems that are being um, uh, un, underserved or undersolved. Uh, and really, there is a great opportunity here uh, for, for those who are willing to double down on their businesses, to, to really reassess. I think what's important here, you know, to, to really understand who our audience was yesterday may not be our audience today. Who was our customer yesterday may not be our customer today because the, lands, the landscape has changed. You know, having been in financial services during the last recession, one of the biggest, the biggest problems I witnessed was that during times like this, people ignore what's happening. They kind of bury their head in the sand. You cannot ignore the economic markers around you. You, ha- you have to make sense of the economics. And you also have to make sense of, of, of who your market is uh, and who your market will be after this, because, you know, who is your customer today may not be your customer tomorrow based upon their own financial circumstances. It, you know, we, we, it really comes back to business 101, who's your customer, you know, and what, what value are you going to provide? But ultimately, uh, economically, it's going to be tough, but this is, a, this is a golden opportunity. It's going to be a golden era for entrepreneurship and small business. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with everything you've said. And um, where do you see us? Like, so, this is going to be sorry to put you on the spot and ask you an impossible question. Um, 
I'll, I'll ask it and then I'll qualify what I mean by it. Where, where do you see the world being um, in, in like 12 months' time? Uh, like, let me qualify that because I'm aware, obviously, the current situation in the UK versus, you know, state by state in the US versus Australia versus Europe, the rest of Europe versus Asia, all dramatically different. I mean, I just, I just read yesterday, I think, that they've just said that, like, in the state of New York, you will not be able to enter um, a restaurant or, or certain premises unless you've had two vaccinations. I read that in New Zealand, they've got one case and they've locked, they've done a snap lockdown. Now, of course, in the UK, slightly different environment where, you know, things are opening or have opened up, um, albeit there's lots of un unanswered questions still about what restrictions might be put in place based on vaccinated versus not vaccinated. The travel thing is a bloody nightmare. I mean, like, I've been away a couple of times to places that I could get to. You know, I do business in America right now. It's virtually impossible for me to get there. So, like, I've asked you the question, where do you see us a year from now? I don't really have a, any more specific. Like, I don't have any more specificity to that question, but just give me a frame of what you think might happen, and then we can dive in. Well, I think... It's a very important question to ask because the path we're on right now is a worrying path. Um, you know, the concept of vac vac vaccine passports, I think, are potentially one of the most discriminatory um, uh, erosion of our liberties that we've seen in, in, in a very, very long time. Um, uh, there is very little logical explanation for using vaccine passports. But what, what, what they are likely to create is, is a divided society amongst those who are vaccinated and those who have not been vaccinated. Um, yeah. By the way, this is not about, like anyone watching or listening to this, this is not about whether you are pro or anti -vaccine. Exactly, yeah. The point is, so, um, if you wouldn't mind, um, I, I, don't think, I don't think anybody could dispute what you just said, which is yes. we are seeing division in society. Yes, yes. you are on, whether you believe in the vaccine, you've had it, you don't, you haven't, like there is a division. Yes. In Unquestionably. Well, I think you've done the right thing to say it's not about that because it's not about that. That part is separate. You can look at that issue in its own right. But the, the question is, are, are we willing as a society to divide people based upon medical choices? And taking a step further forward from that, you know, where could that go? Um, and it, it may sound like a conspiracy theory, but, but, you know, we know that we've seen in China, for instance, that the emergence of social credit systems where, you know, every behavior is tracked and traced and your value to society, your ability to access society from healthcare to buying a train ticket is determined by your behaviors. Now, we, we can always look at the extreme situation and say, well, that won't happen here in Britain. But it just takes a moment of time to, to, to look at, you know, the reports that have been written by Deloitte, Ernst & Young and the major consulting firms on the future of digital identities and realize how many billions are being spent on this type of technology, which very much will have lots of benefits. Yes. You know, for example, if you've got a fitness watch and you're tracking your health data, it's going to help you optimize your health. Of course it is. But when that becomes a potential limiting factor based upon the fact that your government has decided that certain behaviors are good for society and others aren't, then, you know, we're in a very dangerous territory and it, it may sound far-fetched, but that is the path that we're on. If you look at the cultural trends, the technological trends over the last five to 10 years, that is the path society is on. We've got this digital world where everything is monitored, everything is tracked and everything is traced. And 
the technology is owned by a very select group of people. Um, it's, you know, the, the Facebooks of the world, the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world. They are the new Rockefellers. You know, they are, they are the titans. They are the economic titans. And historically, we'd have a monopolies commission that would stop big business from having so much power and control over the markets. We've lost total control of that in a world of technology. So in 12 months' time, we could be facing radical societal overhaul in terms of the way we access uh, society on the back of digital uh, technology. Um, but we've also now seen this rise of cultural safetyism. And if you watch, I don't watch much television, but when I do, you will see now even adverts about things like shampoo saying it's safe, that, that this, it's a safe form of shampoo. Think about that. What, have you ever been concerned about the safety of your shampoo? But our culture is shift towards safetyism to the point now where people are looking at the world differently. Um, so there's been a societal shift in values, and that's going to have a ripple effect. So our ability to travel, our ability to access society, our ability to tolerate risk has been fractured. So the next 12 months is going it, to, it, it's not going to, unless, unless concerted effort is put in to try and heal that and to try and rebalance that. We're, 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 we're on a trajectory where, you know, digital technology, um, reaches a point where everything, you know, with the, uh, I did some workshops last year in 2019 on AI and uh, machine learning and visual learning and visual. It's, it's unbelievable. The technology that's out there now that, that can, you know, I, facial recognition, all of these different things, which have many benefits, but they also have many costs. I know I've gone on a slight tangent here, Nick, but it's, it's important to recognize the industry trends, the technological trends and how they've got this point of, of, of connection through this pandemic, because in 12 months time, you know, we're still going to be dealing with the economic fallout of this. We're, 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 we're dealing with the kind of um, overarching whims and aims of the kind of technocratic society that have, uh, have taken this opportunity to advance their kind of uh, philosophies of how technology can be used in the fourth industrial revolution. And um, potentially society could look very different to what we know as we know it. Um, uh, the kind of traditional values of, of liberties and all those different things have been reshaped. Um, so I think, I think the next year, the next 10 years, Nick, is going to look very differently. You know, I think many entrepreneurs, again, are able to see patterns, um, see trends. And there's some interesting trends that can be very much used for good, but also could radically reshape society as we know it. Um, sure. Um, and so, I mean, this is probably more a UK-based question. And like, I know there are people that watch and listen outside the UK. How likely is it you think we're going to see more lockdowns? I think we'll see lockdowns again this winter for sure. Um, uh, it's it's become normalised. Um, certain about that. So, what's your reasoning? Um, without getting technical, I think there's been. Um, you know, in the desire to uh, find an exit strategy, obviously vaccination has become the dominant and almost primary um, exit strategy. And as a result of that, there's been so much hope uh, put into that um, solution. Um, but unfortunately, there are there are some concerns around the efficacy, as in whether the immunity will last, whether it's waning. We're also seeing the breakthrough cases off the back of those who have been vaccinated. Um, there's also the prospect of uh, further variants emerging, which potentially offer immune escape, which means that you know the vaccines aren't effective against those particular uh, strains. Um, and as a result, um, when you put the virus in in the kind of mix of winter, as we've seen, um, there is season, there is a seasonal aspect to this. Um, virus, it's a respiratory virus, 
inevitably it's going to be much harder on the vulnerable during the the winter months sadly and we have to be prepared for that we have to be ready for that it's possible that the, you know with the changes um uh, in the cell health secretary who seems to be more driven by uh, the idea of living with the virus but at the moment words and actions aren't corresponding we're not behaving like a society that's trying to live with the virus we may be over these summer months to a, a degree but we were last summer as well um so i think there is real possibility i think businesses should be have a contingency plan uh for the prospect of future uh, future lockdowns if they do if they do emerge they'll probably start locally re regionally uh, but i think there is a prospect for national lockdowns again come october november um, I hope I'm wrong, um, but I think it would be it would be remiss of business owners not to at least have a contingency plan for that. Um, and you could expect them if they do arrive, it's likely it will follow the same patterns we saw before between November, March. Um, it's the time where the weather is harshest, um, where people have lower vitamin D levels uh, due to you know lack of sunlight and whatnot, uh, lack of lack of movement. Um, it's 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 something we need to prepare for. Um, so I think it's a very real possibility. We can see in other parts of the world that your lockdowns are still being used. Um, you know, Australia, New Zealand, of course, are they've taken a very different approach to the United Kingdom, but it still shows that it's the dominant it's the dominant fallback strategy um, in the face of uh, rising cases. So I know we've only got a few minutes left, and you dedicated a whole seminar, a whole day to answer. <laughs> How effective? Are lockdowns as a strategy in your, based on your research? I know you've obsessed over this for the last year. But how effective are they as a strategy, in your opinion? Well, they can have an effect on limiting transmission, uh, but the, the the weight of the evidence is showing that it, it has very limited impact on mortality. Um, it may delay mortality, uh, but it's it's essentially kicking the can down the road, uh, which is a horrible phrase to use in the context of death, but. Um, if the primary outcome is to reduce ad the adverse reaction uh, outcome of death and mortality, then it's it, uh, there's a lot of different evidence. There's over 50 different papers now that show that uh, it's had very limited impact upon mortality itself. But if you look at the flip side of the impact it's had on education, on hospital waiting lists, on business, uh, on social lives, on weddings, funerals, uh, the kind of data that the aspects of day-to-day -day life, the collateral damage that's caused off the back of them far outweighs the benefits that have been gained. Now, when I say things like that, people say, well, what's the answer? Well, the reality, the reality is if you, if you take the time to read the kind of public health manuals that were created for situations like this, epidemics and pandemics, you'll never find a public health textbook or, 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 or guidelines that advocate or even endorse lockdowns. It's never been considered before. It's always been ruled out. You know, the opening session at the lockdown summit was why 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 were the pandemic rulebook thrown out of the window to tackle COVID nineteen? The reality is we do have we do have methods of 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 identify, clearly identifying the risk categories. We've got over eighteen months of data now of post infection data, hospitalization data, mortality data to really understand who are the risk categories with COVID nineteen. There's always going to be exceptions. You're going to still hear the stories of young people who sadly lose their life. It's the same with flu. It's the same with every other illness. Unfortunately. There's always exceptions. You don't mind me interrupting. This is me giving my personal opinion. It's not the same because you don't hear the stories. No, true. That's true. So the, look, unfortunately, these things happen anyway. Like you said, the occasional rare case of somebody young uh, in their 20s who is healthy, um, 
COVID, it happened, it has happened. Um, unfortunately, I'm sure it will continue to happen. And you hear about it all the time in the media. And there were ple- there were numerous examples of rare, uh, you know, rare things occurring and, and people that were young, healthy, dying from other causes that were never reported on. So that's the difference, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, so, you know, people, just, people have, you know, the idea of doing nothing is, for people is, 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 it seems too far, but there's no such thing as nothing. <laughs> you know, every, you know, sound public information about risk is not doing nothing. You know, normal, you know, contextualizing risk for those who are in lower risk categories of this is not doing nothing. Helping people to understand the early warning signs of the, of the onset of the virus, helping people to understand how they can prevent uh, severe illness, helping people to understand who is at high risk so that together we can work together to, 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 to help shield those categories if they choose to be. Because I know plenty of people in risk categories who say, you know what, Dan, I'm at the end of my life. I want to live the end of my life. I don't want to be trapped on my own in a care home or trapped on my own at home. It comes down to giving people the opportunity through personal responsibility to use that information to make informed choices about how they can protect themselves and look after themselves this winter. Um, so I, I do think there is a better way. That was the purpose of the lockdown summit to showcase, uh, critically evaluate the response to COVID-19 in lockdowns and, and, and showcase the collateral harms, but also to start the conversation about how we can begin to responsibly live with the virus and how we can uh, help to protect one another but without being at the detriment of all these other areas from education, the economy, society, uh, and, and living life, because human beings weren't born nearly to exist. We were born to live. And, um, you know, it's, it's important to place a value on the human experience. Yeah. Where I, where I struggle, yes, or, or where I sit on this is I go, it's impossible to quantify which is more important. It's like the, you know, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting one or the other is. It's like, you know, how important is it that we protect life and that we stop people from getting this terrible virus and some will die versus closing schools mm. is not allowing, you know, closing restaurants and people can only eat outside or, 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 you know, the impact that it's had on the hospitality industry or the economy as a whole. Like, on, where do you draw the line and how do you prioritise? Because... Ultimately, I think I could summarise my my observation is um, preventing death has been prioritised over everything else. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Right or wrong, but that that is the case. And I think what you're saying, which I agree with, is that there are so many other things that have been deprioritised as a result of that. And maybe it's you know maybe it's time to question that. Yes. Well, yeah, Nick, you're right. I mean, it's, it's preventing death from COVID specifically, um, which, which if you look at the record hospital waiting list now, um, that's going to lead to death, unnecessary deaths. Already, it has already less to, left, left, um, resulted in unnecessary deaths. If you look at the, the number of deaths attributed to alcohol and drug abuse, they're at record levels. You know, people have been driven to the edge through this thing. You can't discount those deaths. Similarly, again, if you look through history, when we're in times of economic uh, deprivation or people who are driven into poverty, the, the, the level of severe disease and mortality amongst those who are um, um, in economic deprivation or poverty is significant. You know, you look at the, the spillover effects from the 2009 recession, huge uplifts in mortality amongst the, 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 the Britain's most poor. 
You, know, you, you can't discount that. The, the, the impact that the economy has is not just the short-term impact, it's the long-term ramifications. Politicians aren't going to be in power in three, four years' time. They won't have to pick up the pieces, you know, but the society will have to live with it. So um, it's important that we recognise those external factors. For sure. Listen, I mean, I could certainly go another hour here on this conversation. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to be respectful of your time. Maybe we'll do a follow-up uh, interview, a follow-up episode in another few months when things will have in, undoubtedly changed and we can, we can answer, uh, answer these questions all over again. Um, what I would suggest right now, um, one thing that I think, you know, if some of what we've talked about in this episode has resonated with you, we've really only scratched the surface. Um, as far as the nations that Dan has had to have, highly recommend that you subscribe to his pandemic podcast. You can get access to that on Apple, Spotify, all the major uh, distribution channels. The uh, the other thing, Dan, I was going to ask because I found it so valuable. Um, how could we get um, the recording for the lockdown summit? Um, I don't know if that's still available publicly or if yep. it is how we could get access. Yep. So you can go to questioneverything.io. That's questioneverything.io. So you can access the full recordings. And if you look up the Question Everything um, uh, YouTube channel, which is um, the, 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 the tag is Question Everything Talks, you'll find all of the individual talks. So if you go on questioneverything.io, you'll see the full nine hour um, summit. Uh, if you go on the, uh, the Question Everything YouTube channel, you'll see each talk broken down uh, where you can watch each piece by piece. What we'll do is we'll put um, the links in the show notes for. Um, questioneverything.io and the YouTube channel and to subscribe to the podcast. But Dan, Astin, Gregory, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate um, Hopefully uh, those that have been tuning in, watching live, those that are listening on the Empire Builders podcast have also um, found it valuable and interesting. And um, yeah, I'm sure this won't be the last time we have the conversation or conversation like this. I'd, I'd certainly love to follow up episode with you in a, in a few months' time for sure. That'd be great. Thank you, Nick. And thanks for having me again today. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.